Hi everybody, Mike Wardrock from Encounter Church here, and thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. Our prayer is that through this podcast, you could have an encounter with Jesus that will change your life. And now get ready for an inspiring message from our teaching team. It's Mike, I'm one of the pastors here. It's my privilege to bring the Word of God to you today as we kick on in our brand new series, Monday Invaders. Very excited. Everybody see our little a little Insta yeah, meow, 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 shooting Insta, uh, Space Invaders graphic? It was great. It's awesome. Check it out on the Encounter Adelaide Instagram page if you haven't. But uh, we are excited because for the next four weeks, what we're going to do, if you're not familiar, if you haven't been to Encounter Church before, first of all, welcome. So great to have you. As my son uh, eloquently-ish articulated, if you are new here, on the back of the chairs, there's a bunch of little QR codes. If you scan those, they will take you to our link tree, which will tell you pretty much everything you need to know about the church, including how to connect. And um, what we would love to do over these next four weeks is we are going to unpack our four core values. Uh, we are all about Jesus. We are all about generosity. We are all about, what else, church? Those two, people and real. Very good. We're all about being real, and we are all about relationships with people. And so we are going to unpack those, but we're going to unpack them through the lens of our benediction. Now, our benediction is a blessing that you say at the end of the service. And we say a lot of things at the end of the service, but there's one thing we always say, which is what? Let let your Sundays invade your Mondays. <laughs> Adelaide, show me that again. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> Sensational. Let your Sundays invade your Mondays. Tote bags from Adelaide Cooper. Out now. One of one edition. Uh, let your Sundays invade your Mondays. The reason we say that is because we believe that God has not created church as somewhere where you close the doors and learn together. It is actually a place where a community gathers and the Holy Spirit fills us both through teaching us the Word and through filling us with the Spirit. And we go out and we do something with that. We actually are agents of transformation in the world outside these doors because of what God is doing in us. So that's why what happens on a Sunday, we want to invade our Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays all through the week. Church is a way station for the Spirit to fill us up, to restore our souls so that we can go out and be soul restorers for others. Amen? Amen. Come on. That's good. All right. Well, we're going to get into this, or really I am, and you're going to listen. Um, but that's my favorite way of doing it anyway. Uh, the <laughs> and we're going to start with the most important one, which is Jesus. We're going to start with Jesus. How do you follow Jesus on a Monday? Because we can follow Jesus on a Sunday. We get that. You turn up to church, you worship, you listen to the, a public Bible reading, you pray together. These are all elements that seem to make sense. How do we do it on a Monday? Because for most of you, if you're a regular churchgoer, if this is something you do, there'll be no huge surprises on a Sunday. You come here, it's all pretty normal. Church, yep, we kind of know the rhythms of it. We know when to sing and when to pray and when to tune out during notices and all that. Not your notices, darling, more my notices, I mean. <laughs> but what we're not so good at is working out how to transform that into life impact outside the church, outside the church walls. So that's what I want to talk about. Monday Invaders, week one. Uh, Jenny said this before, but I do want to encourage you, if you are new here and you're new to the God thing or you're, you're looking to find a church home and you have no idea whether this is it, we're so glad to have you. And I want to encourage you over these next four weeks, I just want to challenge you to stick around for these four and just do two things. Number one, ask God, is this where my home is meant to be? And number two, ask God to speak to you. 
Because I believe he wants to do something with both of those. So if you let him, God will speak to you about those things, okay? That's my challenge. So if that's you, don't be afraid. Chuck in a Connect card and go, all right, four weeks. Let's go. Let's go, God. Pressure's on you now. And it is. So how do we make sure that we are following Jesus in such a way that our Mondays are impacted? Now, this is the most important one of our core values. They're kind of ranked. It's Jesus, it's people, and the generous and real sort of sit together underneath that. There is definitely a ranking. There is, above all else, at Encounter Church, we are about declaring the name of Jesus. That's it. That's where we stand. That's what we're about. That's our key value. It's not that complicated. What's complicated is how to do that. So what then is the most part of following Jesus on a Monday? Is it taking this passion to share this faith, this knowledge about Jesus with other people? Is it this idea that uh, we have to stand up for Jesus in, in a culture that necessarily kind of pushes against Christianity and pushes against the things of God? Is it becoming a social justice warrior and doing things that are, that are powerful and standing against injustices? Are these the things we need to do to follow Jesus on a Monday? Well, these, they're all important, right? None of, none of them is trivial, but none of them are actually at the core of what it means to follow Jesus on a Monday. What it means to follow Jesus on a Monday more than anything else is spending time with Jesus on a Monday. So I want to veer slightly differently than you might have expected today. And I want to offer a really practical, simple approach for how you can grow your spiritual life. This is not complicated. For some of you, it will not be new. But I hope for everybody, it's a refresher and an encouragement. So let me, let me get to why with a very predictable story tangent. Practice makes perfect. Practice makes perfect. Uh, when I take my kids and they do their various activities, I see that practice makes perfect. Gracie, she's up on the worship team. She's singing. It's not a position of privilege because she's the pastor's kid. That's probably only like 60% of it. The other percent... No, I'm kidding. That's a joke. Uh, this is being recorded. That's a joke. The, wow, that's a lot of nervous laughter. Come on. <laughs> Lean into it, guys. We're like 40 minutes deep. Come on. We've got some journeying to go. No, no. The reason is because Grace is part of the Australian Girls Choir. And so for week after week, for several years, she's been training her voice, getting better and better at singing and practicing at home and in class. Charlie, my beloved son, is, is a very keen cricketer. He's constantly practicing. What he's not so keen on is going to park run with dad, but it's good for him. So he does it. And he's been doing it pretty much every week this year he doesn't like it getting it do you know how difficult it is to go, get an 11 year old to run 5k's at 8am on a Saturday morning almost as hard as it is to get a 40 year old to run 5k's at 8am on a Saturday morning just about that hard but he does it and I stay and run with him and I encourage him along he's actually old enough to do it on his own and I could run off and like push my time and every now and then I do but there's a better result when I run with him and I coach him I'm like yeah buddy you're doing great you've hit the right spot here yes this has been a good kilometer come on like I'm staring at the Strava app while I'm running that's it that's it buddy yeah good good we said see this he's just dying like sweat pouring off him and, and when that happens you know what happens he beats his PB three times in five months that's what happens that's what happens I'm really proud of my boy he's pushing himself to do that and so he's practicing and improving. Noah is into Ninja Warrior stuff. I have no idea how to measure that with metrics. He's just started actually going to Ninja Warrior classes. 
that's a thing? <laughs> Sam McIver, take note. I feel like you'd be super keen if he's still in the room. Like Ninja Warrior classes are something you can go to. And Noah goes there and he loves it. And the first time he ever did it was not a class. He went straight into a competition and he just crushed it. And I thought, oh, okay, this guy's good. And so now he started to take classes. Why? Because he wants to get better. Practice makes perfect. One side tangent again with that. When I was 16 years old, my parents are in this room, in the room. They'll remember this very well. I went to Indonesia. I came back with a broken wrist. Nobody believed me. Nobody believed me. They were like, yeah, 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 it's probably bruised. It's like, no, no, it's broken. Here's why they didn't believe me. And, and this is dad's defense to his dying day. I came back with a broken heart wrist and said, no, it's broken. And they're like, uh, and I said, I'm just going out the back to play basketball. <laughs> and they went, okay broken is it champ and it was broken but all I wanted to do was play basketball so I played left-handed I was terrible so I started practicing dribbling walking around my court out the back left-handed getting more and more confident suddenly you start moving it around then you practice shooting laying it in left-handed that you have to like do reverse mechanics it's quite difficult then you practice jump shots I never really got that part of it down but by the time my wrist had healed and they eventually put a cast on it because they're negligent parents not bad parents it's <laughs> it's not the same thing <laughs> Actually, happy Mother's Day. Negligent father, not bad father. There we go. <laughs> and all I did was practice with my left hand until it got to the point that my left hand and my right hand were about the same. Practice makes perfect. If you want it enough, you will improve at it. So the question as we come back to how do you follow Jesus on a Monday is this, how much do you want it? How much do you want it? Are you willing to put in the effort to make it, if not perfect, increasingly good? Because your spiritual habits, and that's what we call these things, disciplines, practices, habits, they are not just foundational for your life, they're foundational for mission. They're foundational for what you go and do. Now, we call them disciplines because anything that you discipline yourself in, you're practicing and improving, and it is something that changes who you are. You can do, have mental disciplines, physical disciplines. At the church, we do spiritual disciplines. And one of the things it does is it forms us in habits for life and mission, for life and mission. Because one of the great stress points, church, is that in our life, we try and give out of what we don't have. Now, I'm a firm believer in two things. Number one, original sin. We are all sinning and falling short of the glory of God. We start that way. Number two, most of us are trying our best despite that, right? So we do all sin and fall short of the glory of God, but we're trying. I genuinely think most people try. But where we get into some real trouble is when we try and give and be generous when there's nothing going on in here when we haven't done any deep work. And in a culture that constantly tells us that the problem is somebody else, that's where we get spiritual narcissism, where we start over-talking. And I want to be careful because sometimes this is real, but we over-talk about things like toxic culture and toxic people or, oh, I, I just have to withdraw from those people or I just needed some me time. Now, sometimes that is true. Often, though, we react that way because we haven't done enough internal work to be able to be generous out of the overflow. So we try and be generous. It isn't received in the way we want. And instead of having enough security and strength to know that actually we're okay, even if somebody doesn't receive us the way we intend, we get offended and jump back. You familiar with this? The quietness in the room tells me probably yes. So how are we going to deal with that? Well, this is what happens in scripture. Let's go into Luke chapter 5 like we looked at today because we haven't attended the source of our problem, the relationship with God. 
Now, in the passage we heard from today, Jesus has actually just asked Peter to be his disciple. So being a disciple, a follower of Jesus, is fresh for Peter. He hadn't done it before. He's just started this journey. If you are new to Christ or you feel like you're still pretty new in the Christian walk, that's okay. Being fresh, you're ready to learn. This is good stuff. Peter has just become his disciple. Jesus says, follow him. And instead of becoming a fisherman, uh, you're going to become a fisher of men. And if that joke didn't make it clear to them that Jesus was actually God the Father, then they were already running late. That fisherman pun. Jesus then continues his public ministry in the towns. He does exactly what we talked about last week. He heals the sick, he casts out demons, and he declares the kingdom of God. Things are changing around here. And then we come to this passage, and he meets a person with leprosy who asks him to heal him. Now, Jesus does that and does it powerfully. And there's a lot we can read into there, church, but that's not what I want to talk about. That's not the focus of today's message. After the healing, let's just read what's in verse 15. Yet the news about Jesus spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. Oh, the crowds. That's what we want in ministry. The crowds. But, everybody say but. But But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Let me read this one more time. The news about Jesus spread all the more so that crowds of people came to uh, hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Notice it doesn't say and. It doesn't say they came to be healed of their sicknesses and also Jesus withdrew sometimes and prayed. No, no, it says, but. Do you know what that means? It's, it's coming against something. It's butting up against something. So Jesus, the perfect human being, our example of how to be a human being is surrounded by needy people like the person with leprosy who has come to be healed. And in the case of the person with leprosy, he puts his hand on him and said, I'm willing, be healed. But this text tells us that there are other people that come to Jesus and they say, Jesus, would you heal me? And he says, so sorry, I got to go and spend time with my father. Just think about that. That is wild when that drops. You're like, wait, 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 wait. Jesus told sick people, no. He, he, just, he just walked away. Doesn't he care about them? Well, he does. Yeah. You ever cared about somebody so much that you invested and you invested and you invested and you invested and in the end they walked away and you broke down? Jesus knows what he needs. And so there comes a point where he says, I'm going to stop here. i got to go and be with my father right now. This is the great need of my life right now. And if I can't go do that, I can't come back and do this. I can't fill you when I'm empty. We can't fill others out of an empty bucket church. And so Jesus says, okay, I'm going to go away and pray. Crowds of people will come to him. They're flocking him. That's that's the purpose, right? You want people to come. Me, the son of God. He says, no, 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 no. Even as my influence is growing, I am withdrawing. I'm withdrawing away from being influential because I would rather be with my father and filled than with these people and empty. Because if I'm with my father and filled, I can go and do something with it. But if I'm with these people and empty, all I'm giving them is the emptiness I have myself. We cannot run on empty church. And friends, this isn't a one-off thing. Note that word often, yet he often withdrew to deserted places and played, prayed. Maybe he played also, I don't know, but he definitely prayed. Think about that. Jesus was constantly saying no to people. If you're a conflict-averse person, here is your permission to say no to people. If you are a pro-conflict person, maybe just settle down a little. You're probably saying no already. 
But you are allowed to say no to people. You don't have to say yes to every opportunity in your life. Every open door is not a good door. A trap door is not a great door to walk through. Be cautious of the open doors. Say no to what you need to, yes to what you need to. So that's what Jesus does. So in other words, Jesus Christ, God made flesh, valued what he got from his personal devotion time with God so greatly that he moved everything else in his life to fit around it. At the risk of stating the obvious, if Jesus needed time with God the Father, so will you. If Jesus, God himself made flesh, needed to withdraw and spend time to receive in the presence of God, so will you. So the question then becomes, what have you got into the habit of doing that you need to get out of? Because all of your life is a result of habits. Everything you do right now in your life is a result of a habit. Um, if, you are, if you are here, it's either because it's habitual for you to do so, or it's habitual for you to be in a good relationship with a family member who may have dragged you along today. Welcome. Hello. Good to have you with us in the room. Or you are actually trying to break a habit. It's something that you want to begin forming. We are creatures of habit. You tend to get up around the same time. You tend to go to sleep around the same time. You tend to do the same sort of things. You tend to spend time with the same sort of people. So what have you got into the habit of doing that you need to get out of? That's the question you need to ask yourself. Because spiritual habits and practices will inhabit all of your life, pun not intended. So the question then is, how do you do it? And that's what today is about. How do you cultivate a growing relationship with Jesus? Well, the simplest way of helping you understand this is the principle of the chair. You may have wondered, why did I bring a chair when we actually have too many chairs to fit in this room? It's a great question. But this is my chair. That's why I brought it. The idea behind this principle is you just find a chair that represents the place you go to spend time with God. So this is my chair. This is my journal made for me by the very talented Kristen Holden. Yeah, fair enough too. And this is the chair I go to when I want to spend time with God. If you've been up to my office, you may have seen this chair. This chair does not sit behind my desk. It sits next to my window because that's where I go when I want to spend time with God. Now, the idea of the principle behind the chair is this. You've got to find a space to sit in to have your quiet time with God. And it's got to be a place that where you go to, it helps you realign your mind with God. That's the whole point. So for me, I have three chairs up in that office. One of them is just for people to sit in. Actually, it's broken. I should throw it away. One of them is my desk chair, and one of them is my prayer chair. This is what, this is what you can do, right? This is just a principle. You do not have to do it like this, right? What I do is I spend some time without going to my desk, without getting and letting anything electronic open up at all in the morning. This is just super, super practical, right? And I go and sit in this chair, and I face the wall just like I'm doing now. And I just spend some time with the Lord. I start with journaling, and then I finish with prayer. And near the wall, I've got a couple of pictures, a couple of pictures of encounter, a couple of words on my wall that I believe God has spoken over my life for this year, and a few icons that help me pray over different things. I've got a, a gift that I got from some people in prison that helped me remember to pray for prisoners. I've got a cross from El Salvador that helps me remember to pray for people in other nations and for the poor. And so I use those to help prompt my prayer. And this sounds very complicated, but it takes me 15 minutes. And I sit there, and at the end of it, I just wait. And I just say, God, what do you want to say to me today? And then when I finish, I set a little timer, because I'm not a very patient person. If I'm good, I'll go for a little bit longer. And I finish, and I get up. And I go and sit down in my desk chair, and then I start the day. 
That's how I do it. It's that simple. Let me talk you through that. Let me talk you through how to do it. So you do not have to go to a separate room. I'm privileged to have an office. I haven't always. It used to be a chair in my kitchen in Valley View, which was like the smallest house in the world bar the one that Tom and Pieta lived in just before now, actually. I did, yeah, that, that, was, that was small. Uh, but in that space, I just sat, I had a chair at the kitchen table. Which chair? It doesn't matter. Your chair. The point is that when you sit in it, you know why you're sitting in it. I'm sitting in this right now to spend time with God. Right now. And when I stand up, I'm not going there. It can be anywhere. If you are somebody you're like, I don't own my own house, Mike. I've only got my own room. That's fine. Why don't you sit on your bed, cross-legged, and instead of sitting like, you know, most people, I think, sit on their bed facing down, right? So down the end of their bed. Why don't you have your back to the wall or face the wall or turn the other way? Just turn in a way so that you're in a different place so that your mind shifts. That's the whole point. That's the whole point behind the chair. So it can even just be a section of wall. I would recommend 15 minutes a day. This isn't going to be up here. So if you would like to know how to improve your spiritual habits, write this down. Find a chair. Find a space that is just yours. 15 minutes a day. Some of you will be going, you know what? I'm going for 30. If you're not doing anything yet, start with 15. Just start with 15. Don't shoot too high and then get discouraged. Set yourself a more approachable goal. 15 minutes a day. And I want to suggest you do 15 minutes of Bible reading and journaling. So that's what I do with my journal here. So I would pick a short passage like today's from the Gospel of Luke. It was, uh, what, five passages? Really, really short. And if you've never done this before, uh, and then go to Acts afterwards, because it's also written by Luke. So this gives, I've just given you like months and months of material right there. Start with Luke, go to Acts. Pick a short passage. Start from the start if you want. I'm actually doing this with someone right now. We're reading through the Gospel of Luke, starting at the start. How do you do that? Get a journal and a Bible like this. The cheaper, the better. Actually, no, actually, I take that back. I take that back. If you can, get a really nice journal, get one, because the investment will remind you to make an investment. The investment you make financially will remind you to do something about it. But if you don't, just, just grab a freebie. It doesn't matter. <clears throat> then you read your short passage. Then I want you to do this habit, reap. Everybody say reap. Because if you do reap, you will reap the rewards. This is what reap stands for in journaling. The first R, the R, stands for read. Read. Read a short passage and see what stands out for you. Okay, this is, this is really good. I'm assuming that if you're not writing down these notes, you're, you're really good with your relationship with Jesus. That's okay. R is for read a short passage and see what stands out to you and just write that verse down. So I would say read somewhere between like 6 and 10, 12 verses in a, in a hit, because that's not very long, and pick one of those verses and just write it down. If it's a really long verse, you might just want to pick the half a verse that really stands out to you. So that's, that's how I start up. That's how I start here. And then the next, the E is explore. So that's where you go ask yourself, what is this passage actually saying? Not to me, not to me. Like, what is it actually saying? So I'm currently journaling through Colossians. And uh, today's verse was Colossians 2.8. Be careful that nobody takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world rather than Christ. So I just wrote, Paul encourages the Colossians by explaining how they, how they are in Christ and what that has done for them and that it serves as a competing vision against the world like it's not rocket science I'm kind of just paraphrasing it like they tell you to do in year five English okay it's not super complicated that's the explore the a is apply you take the verse that has stood out to you that you now understand because you explored it and you apply it to your own life and this is the bit that I would say should be the biggest chunk of your journaling you read you explore you apply and you just go okay 
what does do not be taken captive by empty traditions, empty deceits, what does that mean for me today? Where might that be happening in my life? Take a minute, reflect on it and go, okay, jot down some notes, jot down some thoughts. This is your journal. It can be as scrappy as you want it to be. If you, I'm, I'm long form. I don't know why. This is just how I work. But if you're a dot point, go for it. Long form's easier because once you've done a few sentences, you're kind of done. But if you're a dot point person, go for it by all means. And the P, of course, is prayer. At the end, write a short prayer to God about this. Reap. That's it. That's the whole thing. That takes me probably about 12 minutes. Then at the end, I pray. And at the end, if I'm having a really good day, I pray this last one that I call S, the reaps instead of reap, which is speak. And at the end of the prayer, I'll turn and I'll take this chair and I'll face it towards my desk chair. And I'll just say, Jesus, what do you want to say to me today? And then whatever I think he might be saying, I'll write it down. Now, sometimes it's a bit like today. I've just had a bit too much curry at lunch. And I go, nah, that's probably not from God. But sometimes, sometimes it is. Do you know what makes it easier to discern the voice of God? Practice. Practice, practice, practice. Like, can it, like let me tell you, if you're, if you're new here, I get that this isn't like the sexiest sermon in the world. You know, this is very uber practical, but it's actually this that will change your life. It's doing things slowly over time. Eugene Peterson, one of the great pastors of a generation, called it long obedience in the same direction. That is one step forward after the other. You know, the only way you can get from here to the other side of the world, one step at a time. That's the only way to do it. And if you want to get to where you need to go, you've got to begin with a single step. And the problem for most of us, we get two problems. Either we're super out of it and we're just not focused at all, or we're so discouraged by the size of the journey that we forget to take one step. But most of us, most of us underestimate just how much we can do if we take one step after another and you go and you go and you look back and you go what, did I get that far wow this is what happens with our interns all the time they get to about oh the four to six month mark and most of them have some sort of crisis going on in their life and we hold their hand and we nurture them through it whatever it is personal family political whatever doesn't matter we just sort of nurture them through it and they get to about the eight month mark and they're like wow I have grown a lot I'm like yeah. Like, yeah I didn't see it it's like no no that's because you had to come eight months in to be able to turn around and see how far you've come. You couldn't do it in a week. That's why internship takes a year. Because you've got to take step after step and see how far you've come. And when you finally stop and look back, the height is dizzying. I'm coming into land now. I'm almost finished, I promise. But in 15 minutes every day, I transform my spirit. Day after day after day after day. You can do this too. <coughs> now... A couple of quick stories, and then I'll start to finish up. This week has honestly been one of the very busiest of my life. It's been hectic, man. Really, really crazy. I'll spare you the details, but quite literally every spare moment has gone into thinking about the next one. It's been that kind of week. So I made a firm decision at the start of this week. I thought about it. I knew it was going to be really busy, and I said, okay, there are three things I'm not going to compromise on this week. Number one, I will run three times a week. This is my habit. It's a pretty new habit for about a month or so. I don't want to break it. So I didn't. I ran three times a week, exactly when I said I would, and I took Charlie along with me for two of them because that's a habit I'm trying to form in him. Second thing was that I said, I will go to bed at a reasonable hour. Now, if you've ever had assignments to write or sermons to write, you know the temptation to go, no, I'll just keep, I'm just going to stay up longer until it's finished. But I know myself at this point. I work better in the morning than I do in the evening. 
So I said, okay, at 9.30 every night, I'm going to start winding down. And I need to be lights out asleep before 10.30. It needs to happen. Now, if I need to do what I did on a day like today and I need to be up at 5 in the morning to begin, that's okay because I operate better at 5 in the morning than I do at midnight. You've got to know yourself there. Some of you will be different. Most of you won't. Most of you don't work as well at night as you think you do. You're mostly procrastinating, then wondering why the assignment hasn't written itself. Amen? You know what that's like, except Pieta. Everyone else knows what that's like. (laughs) Everyone knows what that's like. You've got to know yourself. So I made sure I would get enough sleep every single night, and I have. And I'm pretty energized. Good exercise, good sleep will energize you. But the other decision I made was much more profound, and that was this. No matter what I have to do, no matter how much content I have to write, no matter how many weddings I have to take, or how many, which was one, it wasn't that dramatic, (laughs) or, or how many conferences I have to go to, whatever, every morning I will get up and do my devotions. And you can sometimes feel like you're going a bit crazy getting up and doing your devotions then putting it aside and then opening your Bible for a different purpose as a pastor and getting into work. But they are vastly different things. One is for work. The other is for the inner person. It is for the soul. So every single day, 15 minutes in the chair, which sounds horrible when I put it that way, but 15 minutes of prayer, Bible reading, journaling, reflection. Now, if you're not a person of faith here, totally get it. This might sound like a lot. Let me ask you something. How much would it transform your life to take 15 minutes at the start of your day just to stop, to breathe and go, okay, what do I need to do today? No, 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 I don't mean right now. What what do I need to do to become the person I want to become? The beauty of asking that question, I think, is that it'll get you some deeper questions, but that's just me. I think all of us benefit from this. Now, Brett Hagler, the CEO of New Story, he's one of Forbes 30 under 30. Uh, he's, a C- he's a CEO, like I said, he's much busier than any one of us. He spends 30 minutes every single day on this. 30 minutes in devotions. He calls it his spiritual stack. He says, without it, I, I cannot be a CEO without the time I spend with Jesus first. It just won't work. If you're still out on this idea, one more story. Pastor was once preaching about this idea in an American mega church. He'd been talking about it for a while. And eventually this guy came up to him. He's a high-powered marketing executive. And he's like, listen, I don't know what planet you're on where you think I have 15 minutes of my day to just carve out to do this. Okay? And he started to outline his day. He's like, but I don't have it. So... It's great for you, I'm sure, as a pastor. You spend a lot of your day just in quiet reflection. Like, yes, absolutely. (laughs) He said, but I don't have the time. And the pastor looked at him quietly and said, well, I usually find that people make time for the things that they consider important. And then he just walked away. Now, that man didn't know it, but he was about to be diagnosed with cancer. And he, those words hit him far before any medical diagnosis did. And he realized that he couldn't really call himself a follower of Jesus and not do things to help him grow as a follower of Jesus. And so he took that 15 minutes. I don't know how. That was never part of the story. Part of the genius of this pastor is he never promised to answer how to find that 15 minutes. He just reminded him, we can usually find time for the things that we believe are important. He put it back in his hands. And this person transformed his life. He'd had a significant problem with their spouse. They started to patch it up. The family started to get back together. They started to find time to do devotional times with the kids. A couple of years later, he passed away from cancer, but the pastor was at his side and he said, listen, I've botched a lot of my life, 
but I got the last couple of years right, didn't I? He said, yeah, you did. Yeah, you got it. You took those 15 minutes. And over time, long obedience in the same direction, compound interest spirituality, it changed his life. It changed his life. I have been surprisingly present this week. Surprisingly present for somebody this busy. Because when you put the right things in your schedule first, everything starts to flow out of that. Let me, let me say one more thing, just because they're in the building, and I love this. When we were talking and praying about this move to Enfield, I was chatting with uh, Sarah Ballantyne. I'm just going to call her out. And I was, I was checking in on our families because I was worried that when we went back to 4 p.m., I was like, is this going to be too hard for our families? And I know that the kids, uh, Amy had swimming in the afternoon. I was like, ah, no. I was like, how, how are you going to go with this? And she was like, ah, oh, well, I mean, we'll make the time. Church is important to us. How good is that? That's what happens. That's what happens. Now, the question you need to be asking, as I promise I come to a close, is why this happens. We've now heard the how. You've got some practical tips. I hope that's helpful. This will be podcast later if you need to go back and listen to this section. Why, though? Why do this? Why do this at all? Why make these sacrifices? Because... This is what Jesus did. He so frequently left the crowds to be with God the Father. Here's, here's the astonishing reason why. Jesus left the crowds to be with God the Father. Are you ready? To be with God the Father. That's it. He wanted to be with God the Father because the most important thing he could do for his life and the lives of those he was sent to save was to be with God, to rest in the presence of God, to replenish, to refresh, restore. He had work to do, but he couldn't do it empty. And when we slow down and we stop and we actually listen for the voice of God, it is astonishing what he says. Church, you're ready. Are you ready to slow down? to find that time and stop and listen to the voice of God. It'll look different to mine. It won't be a chair like this. It won't be a place like my office. You'll journal differently probably. It doesn't matter. That's just a template. The key is this. Are you willing to sacrifice? Because again and again, what I love to see is when I'm talking with somebody at my church and they tell me about something they've done that I don't know about to sacrifice, to draw nearer to God to do better in their life. Oh, yeah, no, I talk about, did you see this on social media? Oh, I'm not on social media anymore. I, I cut that out. It was distracting me from my relationship with God. Oh, yeah, you want to go out for coffee? Oh, I'll go, but I don't drink coffee anymore. Yeah, I, f- I found that it wasn't good for me. It wasn't, it wasn't helping my relationship with Jesus. I pray for those people doubly hard. Every great thing you want to achieve will require sacrifice. There is no greater thing than to cultivate the presence of God in your life because it will fuel everything you need. What's the sacrifice you're out for? Thanks so much for listening. I pray that you were able to hear from God in a fresh way today. We would love to hear from our listeners. To connect with us or to financially support the work of Encounter, please jump on our website, encounteradelaide.com.au. And if you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to jump onto iTunes, Spotify, or your podcast provider and give us a rating and review. Or share this message on your social media accounts and tag us at Encounter Adelaide. God bless. Have an amazing week.